Oliver Marcel, glad to have you here today. Um, and I, I brought you in for a very special topic that we discussed earlier on. Um, but before we talk about that, I would love you to share your story, your journey. So I'm giving you the space to speak right now. I'm going to listen and then we'll get into our topic shortly. Well, first of all, thank you. Um, thank you. I don't take it lightly when individuals allow me to speak to their audience. Like that's not, and I probably say that in every podcast I've ever been in. And it's not, it's not a cliche statement. Like I really appreciate you trusting me to speak to your audience. Cause that means something like your community mm -hmm. is, is special and it's valuable. Thank you. So the folk that you put thank in front you, of you, you have to be. So thank you. First of all, for that. Um, who you. am I? Yes. Man, who am I? That's a that's a loaded question you just asked me. So let, let's see if we can unpack that. Who am I? I am a, I'm an inner city kid. Uh, urban raised and everything that you imagine or that your listeners may be imagining encompasses the word urban. You're probably right. Um, wow. There is a just kind of a, a a sneak, you know. By the time this airs, there probably will be a, a promo video out that I've just finished shooting, where I actually really? part of the video I go back to my old neighborhood. So you're gonna see what I mean when I say urban. Um, it's oh, I'm looking forward to that. Woo. It, it, it has significantly changed for the worse since I've been there, but it was okay. bad when I was there. So right. Wow. Um, Inner city kid, uh, born to who born to parent Caribbean parents who raised me in church. So I had the value system that goes along with uh, a family that's in the faith based environment uh, consistently. And now that's on one end of the spectrum. Uh, coupled with on the other end of the spectrum, the influences of an urban environment so that's how i grew up grappling between those two what my parents were instilling in me as valuable for life and the stuff that looked really appealing that right. may not have had the same kind of positive outcome but it looked good and it seemed like it was a lot of fun right, right. so i grow up Let's fast forward. I go, uh, I, I leave Maryland because I'm from Maryland. I didn't say where I was. So inner city right. Baltimore so that you get some oh, wow. inner city wow. Baltimore. So for those of you who are HBO fans, there was a show uh, called The Wire uh, years and years ago on HBO that um, a lot of Marylanders loved, but then a lot of Marylanders did not like because it showed a side of Baltimore that is very, very real, wow. but not the best, <laughs> not the best representation, right? So you get an idea of, right, yeah, so you get an idea of, of some of the stuff we saw, though, by, by seeing yeah. that show. Some of that, a lot of that show was very, very real in its depiction. So now, fast forward, 17, I leave Maryland, and I'm headed out to the Midwest to go to school. Um, I went to school in a small town in Southwest Michigan, but had all of these daydreams about what life was going to be like. 
I left home at 17. And I'm like, man, I the world is just, you're, you know, at 17, the world is your oyster. I'm going to have yeah. this great life. I'm going to have this great career. I'm going to meet the most beautiful woman. I'm going to have all the nice cars and homes and all, all of that, right, that you think about. Right. Especially coming from an urban environment, because when you come from not having something, your aspiration is to have, right? right. So let's fast forward a little bit more. Doesn't work out that way. I get to school. Uh, I have some issues at school. Uh, those issues now send me kind of in a spiral because I'm not sure how I didn't prepare for my vision to have any kinks in it. Right. So I didn't have a plan B. So I'm uh-huh. doing plan B on the fly. And generally when you do stuff on the fly, you kind of get <laughs> what you get. Right. Yeah. Which for me, was a lot of disappointment myriad of disappointments things not going my way not really sure how to do this not having the kind of guidance maybe that I should have had and so I make some poor choices and I hang out probably with the wrong folks and Mm -hmm. kind of doing some of the wrong things and Mm -hmm. that creates now even more disappointments and I start stacking these disappointments up and then after a while I was like you know what I'm going to own this space so I take those disappointments, I craft, I, I craft them into a badge of honor that I wear very proudly. And Good that badge you. of honor gives me license to continue to act up. So I'm like, if this is what life is going to be like, hey, let's live it. Let's yeah. let's get it, baby. Let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I do, however, meet a phenomenal woman. So that part of the dream did come true. But I walk into that marriage with mm-hmm. all of that other stuff, right. Right. which now creates, uh, as you can imagine, some issues. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's fast forward the story even further. I, I have a turnaround moment. And I'm going to share it with you and your audience. Here's a turnaround moment. So about two years into my marriage, I have my, my girls are small. So I have three children which you, you asked me, tell, tell me about who I am. Right. So you'll hear that as the story unfolds wife at that time, two kids, I have three total, but at that time, two girls, they're small. I'm living reckless. Let your imagination go wherever it goes. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I come in one morning at 4am. I'm married. Come in one morning at 4 a.m. That's a whole nother podcast in and of itself, you know. But I come in one morning at 4 a.m. And remember, if we go back, because this all ties together. We go back. My parents raised me a certain way. Right. I was a church kid. Yeah. All throughout college, that never left me, even in the height of my craziness, because I was a musician. So what I didn't say is I grew up playing piano. So I oh, played keys wow. and organ in churches for almost my entire life. And I was doing that in Michigan as well. So there was always some okay. connection yeah, to great. what I had been taught. Mm-hmm. So I, mm-hmm. so let's go. So let's go to where we are in the story. So I come in 4 a.m. And there was a devotion that I would always read. No matter what was going on in my life, no matter what time of the morning or night I got in, I would always pick up that devotion. And it was a, a small reading a scripture 
in a place where a, a, a question where you could journal. I still have the book to this day. So I pick it up 4 a.m. As I'm reading through it and journaling, I have this thought that pops into my head. The thought is if those two little girls who are sleeping down the hall right now, about to get up in a few hours to go to school, if they grow up and they bring the current version of you home and is like, this is my guy, what are you going to do? Wow. Wow. That came to mind yep. at that moment. At that moment. So here's the thing. What I did not tell you is that I'm recovering hothead. I was a hothead as a kid. So my answer, well, well, not as a kid, I was a hothead even into my adulthood. But the answer for me was birthed out of that. And so I was like, oh, that that's an easy answer. Only two of us, only one of us survived this. And I'm surviving. So we already know how that's going to go. That ain't going to happen. They're going to get, you know, dealt with blah, 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 blah. That's my answer to that question. Yeah. Yeah. Here's the kicker answer. And I remember it like it was yesterday because the, I mean the, the quick kicker question, cause there was a follow-up question after I had that reaction, mm-hmm. that question was the question that made me sit back in the green couch that I was sitting on two years into my marriage, which was 20 years ago. The second question was, okay, what are you going to do about you? Mm. nice wow didn't have an answer to that question here's what that question did for me though Mm -hmm. it didn't clean me up it didn't clean me up automatically Mm -hmm. but what it did was it turned me in a different direction and I was like I don't know the answer to that question but I guarantee you I'm going to try to figure it out oh lovely and from that moment forward And for the Mm -hmm. past 20 years, I have been diligently chasing how to be a better guy, how to be a better husband, how to be a better father. And what that has, where that has landed me, because throughout those 20 years, several things have happened, good and bad, Mm -hmm. great and challenging, but they've all led me to the space where I am right now, which is an Mm -hmm. author, a speaker and a coach in the relationship building and men's empowerment spaces because I Mm -hmm. understand the journey. Right. And I take that journey that I had and that I've been on and I share that journey in hopes that it will encourage and inspire others on their journey. So who am I? Inner city kid, married, husband, father, three kids. They're all grown. One grandchild who's three years old. And I'm on a mission to share all of the experiences that align with all of that yes. in a way that will encourage and inspire and allow the person who I interact with to thrive as a result. Oh, that's wow. what that's that's lovely. Wow. I, I'm so glad that uh, we were able to meet, um, you know, through a mutual um, other entrepreneur. Um, and, uh, you know, I have your book here actually so oh wow <laughs> yes <laughs> that's um, awesome and i was yes absolutely and i'm actually gonna because i've been reading it and i've and i was like as i was reading it my son was in the background and i i said to my son you gotta read this 
Wow. I appreciate you that. You got to read this. So I what I want, yeah, thank you. Yes. Um, what I want to do is now we're going to switch to the topic that we're talking, where we were mm -hmm. discussing, and I want to incorporate, you know, um, you know, you talk about the eight pillars, right? Um, if we can incorporate that in the conversation. Sure. So, uh, yeah. So let, let's get to it. Um so I brought this to your attention because it's, and literally I was just doing laundry. I was doing house chores when I thought about it. And I think it came to mind because um, now that I'm a public figure, I'm getting a lot of um, just everybody actually um, wanting to be my follower or wanting to be my friend on, on social media. Um, some of them are men. <laughs> Um, but they take it a little bit further. So I, I'm, I'm starting to get these messages, um, but they delve right into it. Um, you know, um, okay, can you be my friend? Are you married? Right. Okay. And um, it's, it's a big turnoff for me because, I mean, it, you got to get to know me. I, I don't jump in that quick. That's, that's not how I, how I work. And so it made me go back to my experiences in the past. Um, you know, I'll give you one situation. So, um, and we're talking about me being, I guess, you know, I hope that I appear to you as a friendly person, right? But a lot of men have taken it to my over-friendliness as being flirty, which I don't see it, right? But most, I don't want to say most, but, you know, there's quite a few that, that, uh, uh, perceive it that way. Um, so I had an experience, you know, about 10 years ago now. Um, we were in um, the Rocky Mountains here in in uh, in Canada and Alberta, uh, Banff. And I spent the weekend with my, my girlfriends. We always have a weekend getaway. Um, and a few of them are married or had, had boyfriends at the time. And we, you know, we went out. Um, we have, we share the same values though. So we're going out. We're not there to flirt. We're just here to have a good time. And we we ended up at this pub, and there was a group of men there. Um, and then I, apparently they were um, they just came from a golfing excursion. Um, so we all started to intertwine with them. Some of them were single, some of them were married. And so I just you know I, I just started a conversation with with one of them. Hi, how are you? And and you can tell this man first of all he was married. You know I saw the ring, but. Maybe it was my approach, but I mean, I'm, I, I am who I am. I'm talking the same way that I'm talking to you. And he perceived that as flirting because I approached him. Um, I don't know if he has a lot of women approaching him, but I just approached, approached him, you know, and I started talking. There was no, in the conversation, there was nothing to do with, you know, anything to do romantically, right? There was none of that. And you could see he was standoffish. And I said, whoa, 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 listen, I, I know you're married. I'm not, I'm not here to, to try to flirt with you or anything. I'm just here to have a conversation and I'm, I'm going to leave after this. Right. So once, once I got him comfortable, the evening wasn't, was awesome because now we were able, everyone started be, to become comfortable because once I presented myself that way, once I was honest with him, he, he was like, okay, whew, I can relax. <laughs> Right? But I thought to myself, like, why, why did it need to get to that point? Right. So it, it's, it's, and then, and a few other examples in the past when I was younger, 
um, you know, in any social setting, if I did approach a guy or a guy approached me, I always assumed it was just a conversation. That's how I always started. I don't think anything from that first meeting. Um, you know, and I've walked away actually from some meetings from uh, some men that I've actually dated uh, where we met like that. And I walked away and they'd, they'd come back to me and say, oh, actually, could I get your number? Right. So, um, but yeah, most of the time, most of the time when I have a conversation in social settings, you know, parties or, or whatnot, um, they, you know, halfway through the conversation, they, and, and again, we're not talking romantic here. Right. Just how are you doing? What do you do? You know, the, their hand starts to to move <laughs> to my mm -hmm. body, right? And I'm thinking, where, you know, and halfway through, like, where did I tell you you could do that? Like, where, where in the conversation did it appear that we were going that direction? <laughs> so, um, you know, going back to social media now, that has come to the forefront, and it it really it bothers me because it's like if that's the the standard today you know i'm really kind of disappointed and you know having a son i don't want him growing up thinking that's how it's supposed to be you know so maybe you can help me with this and we can figure out how yeah. we can tell our male audience here you know <laughs> Listen, we are unfortunately in an age where we do not take the time to develop anything. That's right. It's just, it's just not the age that we're in. Everybody wants stuff to be ready-made or everybody wants to walk into a scenario making an assumption. Right. Whether it be what you talked about or whether it just be you know, not wanting to, you know, put in work for a certain thing, feeling entitled that, hey, I shouldn't have to work for this. You should just give it to me ready made. Right. Right. And so and and I think that 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 colors a lot of our, our approach. And then when it comes to relationships. We've done so much putting the cart before the horse kinds of relationships that we almost expect that to be the case. So if I meet you in a bar, yeah, I almost expect that we're going to have some kind of frivolous conversation, but really that's oh, just a precursor wow. to whatever it is that I have in mind or she has in mind that comes after right. that. Mm -hmm. and, and then we just start to approach all scenarios that way. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and I think what, what we have to start doing is recognizing the fact that there are, there are levels of conversation that are appropriate for certain scenarios. Right. And even if you, even if you end up being interested in this person, mm -hmm. that it would still behoove you to go through the levels of conversation. Oh, okay. Because what you're going to do is you're going to establish a base right. that you can build from. Mm -hmm. So think about how many people, and I'm sure you probably have friends who have gone through this, and I have friends who have gone through it. Matter of fact, if I'm being transparent, I went through it as well as, as a okay. as a young young adult, okay. where you get involved with somebody romantically, physically, before you know anything. Yes. Yeah. 
And then you realize, man, I'm attached to this person from a physical perspective, but man, I do not like or appreciate what I'm finding out. Because you don't know that person, really. You don't know, right? So there, yeah. there's, there's that level of, of, of that baseline that was never established, right? And then so now, what, what you're, what you're experiencing is that people are, they are taking what you would consider to be maybe level one conversation, which is hallway talk, right? So if we're talking yeah. about the the various levels of conversation. There's hallway yeah. talk, there's reporter mm -hmm. talk, there's these different types of conversation. They're mm -hmm. taking what you're essentially looking at as level one conversation mm -hmm. and they're establishing a baseline right then and there, <laughs> which is not obviously not the right thing to do. So hence you have people who are, you're talking to them about the weather and they're like, Hey, you know, when can I see you again? Like, wait a minute, we didn't even yeah. get there. Like, <laughs> We're not even, we're not even there. And then oh worse yet, worse yet, mm -hmm. right? What you just described is, is not a good thing at all. And, oh and God. I don't think many of us realize this is that you're talking about guys now becoming kind of touchy feely yeah. off a level one conversation. Like that's, yes. that's problematic, right? Yeah. Because now mm -hmm. you're making assumptions. And, yeah. and well, you're you're already making assumptions, but what takes what makes it even worse is you're beginning to act on those assumptions. Yeah. And when you begin to act on an assumption, you put yourself in danger of creating a a, a scenario that could be very detrimental to you. Right. Right. Because if if you're talking to me and it's a level one conversation, and now I'm trying to move in, in a physical sense, mm -hmm. that could be dangerous. Yeah. And now you have to now you now have to morph out of the mental space that you were in for a level one conversation mm -hmm. to now be in a space where you now have to go into protective mode. Yeah. Because you don't know what I'm trying to do and you don't know yeah. why I'm trying to do it. And now you're thinking yeah. back. Hey, what did I say? Did, what did I do? Did I give? Did I say? And it's not even. Nine times out of 10, it's not even about what you said or did. Now, there are other instances where people are clearly giving signs. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but if that's not your case now, as for the other person, what we got to really start to do now is we have to pay more attention. We have to do more active listening. Yes. And if I'm actively listening to you, what I'm not doing is assuming that this is going in a place where I would like it to go. Right. What I'm doing is actively listening. So if you're talking to me about we're at a ski resort and we're, we're, you know, sipping, you know, hot chocolate around the fire. And in my mind, I'm like, man, this woman is really attractive. I would love to get her back to the, the to the mm -hmm. lodge. Yeah. But all you're doing is just making, you know, frivolous conversation around the fact that, you know, you know, I saw you fall down the hill just now, man. That was kind of funny. You know, da, 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 da. Yeah. yeah. What I have to now do is I have to exhibit some level of self-control because here's the thing. It's not wrong that I'm attracted to you. Right. But what I need to now do is exhibit some level of self-control that allows me 
to accept the level of conversation where it is Mm -hmm. and navigate the level of conversation where it is without me now assuming that it's going to go in a particular place. And then I just jump straight to that. Right. That's uh, honestly, and, and I know this is probably not the scientific answer that some people may want, but honestly, some of that is really about your level of self-control. Yes. Yeah. You got to be able to control the stuff that you think. I'm not telling you not to be like, Oh, she's not attractive. You may think that from the moment she opens her mouth, you might be like, wow. Yeah. And that's perfectly okay. Yeah. But you still need to move through the levels of conversation. Right. To establish a baseline because you may think that and she may not have any interest in you at all. Then what are you going to do? If you've already jumped to 10 and she shuts you down, now you got to navigate rejection in addition to you jumping the gun. Okay. And that's a space that why would you, put yourself in that position if you didn't have to be there when you could just exhibit some self-control and in your mind while you're talking about the weather in your mind you could be like man this chick is fine yeah but your self-control allows you to move through the levels of conversation wow that's pretty powerful you know in chapter two becoming a man you you talk about the the four steps Mm -hmm. right the observation training execution feedback um and something that resonated with me was uh, you had said, I was doing a lot of observing growing up, but I was not asking a lot of questions. And I'm thinking that's one thing that a lot of these men are not doing, right? You talk about that first, you know, that, that being the, the, you know, having a conversation with me and assuming that, that, that first level is going to take me to level four, right, right away. And so I like to think that, um, you know, the way they approach me or the way they react to me is probably partly to their experience, right? Yeah, it is. And that's why I'm saying we, we've we've created that culture. Yeah. Because here's the thing. Some of those men are probably used to meeting somebody mm-hmm. and le- in the level one conversation, it goes straight to wherever they think it's going to go. Yeah. Right. Because we've created that. How many times have you, how many times have, well, not you, but how many times have people walked into a club or walked into a bar or, or man, walked into a supermarket, met somebody, had a conversation and be like, Hey, what you doing later? Hey, we should Mm -hmm. hook up. And boom, you're off to the race. So we're used to that now. We're used to that. We, we, we haven't been, we haven't, we're no longer held accountable mm-hmm. to doing things the right way. We're no longer held accountable to that. So we don't expect that anymore. So between two women, if I'm talking to you and I got to go through these levels of conversation and we got to be friends and we got to talk on the phone and we got to do man, I don't have time for all that because she just said, hello, how you doing? Oh man, that's a nice dress you got on. Hey, you want to see what's under this dress? Boom. And they're gone. So if I don't, if I don't want to be held accountable, what path am I going to take? I'm obviously going to take the path of least resistance. And now after having a a number of experiences like that, I actually expect every scenario to go that way. So now when I run into you Mm -hmm. and you just want to talk about the weather 
and I'm thinking weather is a metaphor for something. And you're like, yeah, no, yeah. weather is hot outside. Like that's not yeah. what we do. Yeah. Now I don't, you know, I either show my cards, which is what a lot of guys, which it sounds like what a lot of guys are doing, showing their cards early, or I reckon opportunity to actually have a great conversation because I get frustrated with the fact that you're actually really trying to spark up conversation. And in my mind, I'm already down the road. Yeah, that's that's very unfortunate because I don't it want, is. like and I said, sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say, to, and to speak to what you're saying in the book with the observation, yeah. training, execution, and feedback, mm -hmm. we need to, and I tell, I tell people this all the time, especially when I'm talking to guys, mm -hmm. every guy needs to be taken through that process of observation, training, execution, and feedback, and then they need to take somebody else through through it so yes guys need to see mm -hmm. other guys having conversations guys need to see what it's like to to properly process a friendship to properly uh cultivate a relationship like they need to see that happen yeah and they yeah. need to be able to quote unquote train like be able to observe that try that out yeah execute it in a way that mm. will allow the person that helped them to give them some feedback and be yeah. open to that feedback as opposed to this culture that we've created that is just entitled. Like I'm entitled to have as many women as I would like yeah. with as little work as possible. Right. Right. Yeah. Now in your book, you talk about the eight pillars, mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, and there's one of the pillars there being relationships and respect. And I think, you know, those two combined right there are important in this in this kind of circumstance, right? Um, do you want to maybe delve a little bit deeper into those eight pillars and how how it can, you know, help again our male audience and my son as well? Indeed, um, indeed. In making some changes here so that this kind of situation doesn't happen as often as it does with me. <laughs> Listen, I it, and it happens often with a lot of folks, right? And and here's what's even crazy. This is a whole nother, I'm not going to throw us off course because this is a whole yeah. nother podcast. Yeah. But what's yeah. even crazier is that now it's not one-sided. So there are also women uh -huh. who feel just as entitled. Yes. Not looking to go through the levels of, of uh -huh. conversation or, or relationship. Yes that are doing the same thing that yeah. are meeting guys and making an assumption based off of looks yeah. that, Hey, this is where this is going tonight. See that guy over there. Yeah. That's I'm about to get him. Right. And yeah, so you're right. It's you're happening, right. When I, happening both. Sorry. Ways. When I was reading your book, mm -hmm. um, it, there's a lot of things that I, I can relate to as a, as a, a female too. So this book doesn't necessarily have to fit, you know, the male audience. Um, That's true. Yeah. That's yeah. true. I had I had uh, the privilege of talking to I'm I'm actually working with a couple right now who the oh. wife read the book. Go figure. Oh. The husband have, hasn't read it yet. The wife read the book. And she <laughs> just said uh, to me in a, in a recent session, she was like, man, this was a real eye opener. Yeah. Into yeah. how men think. Yeah, like, it's going to be beneficial. <laughs> Very, yeah. and I love. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead, go ahead. Yo, know, and I loved how you incorporated your life experience into the book, just to make it 
more real and more authentic. So yeah, love the book. I had, I had to, I had to, because yeah. here's the thing with the eight pillars that you described, yeah. those are literally eight areas that I grappled with. So if we go back to that story in the beginning where I had that turnaround mm -hmm. moment and I was like, okay, I don't know the answer to that question, but I'm going to yeah. figure it out. Mm -hmm. Those are the things that I grappled with. I grappled with leadership and what does leadership look like? I yeah. grappled with mental stamina. I grappled mm -hmm. with relationships and with trust and with faith and with mm -hmm. altruism and respect and authenticity. I grappled with those things. And if I'm being honest, still today grapple with some of them. Right. So I had to put myself into it because yeah. I could only give it to you from my perspective. Right. And with the relationship, yeah. thing, I, I got into relation. I got into my marriage with a singular mindset and very selfish. Oh. So which it, a marriage cannot survive under those circumstances. Let's just be clear. Mm -hmm. If you are selfish and if you are not living a marriage with a mindset that allows duality to reign in that relationship, mm -hmm. it's not going to survive. Right. It's just not. Yeah. I also was very good at changing my behavior. Like if, if I need to hang out with you and you act a certain way or you are in a certain environment and that's not necessarily who I am, but I know I I know that I there's some advantage to me being in your environment. I can change my behavior to fit into that environment. I got really good at that. I had to. I had to because remember, I grew up in church. Yeah. yeah. And grappled with what what I was getting in that environment versus what I was exposed to. So now in college, I could very easily be in both settings so I can be the wild child but I can clean up real good go get on the organ very wow. easy for me to change my behavior what I yeah. could not do what I was not working on was changing my mindset and so when you talk about relationships uh, you it's tough to and I tell guys this behavioral change without mindset change is not sustainable long term right so you can do it, but that's, that's not, you, you're not going to do that for the rest of your life. At some point, your worlds collide, even if it's for a moment and God forbid it's the wrong moment because that could crash the whole thing, mm -hmm. but they do collide. So now in my relationship, in my marriage, the thing that I had to work on was now, what is my mindset what is my approach what is my not my approach but what is my perspective what is my ideology around marriage and the significance of the institution because once i change that mm -hmm. that's going to change my approach mm -hmm. so the same thing with what you're talking about and what you've experienced with men what we have to do now is change our perspective around women and change our perspective around what the expectations are and change our perspective around how, what we feel like, how the interaction should go. Because what happens is your approach typically is aligned to your perspective. Mm -hmm. 
So if my perspective is every woman I meet, I'm just going to charm them for a few minutes. Who cares about the levels of conversation? And then we're going to hop into bed. Then my approach is always going to be that I'm jumping the gun. We got to change that. My approach aligns with my perspective. Now, if my perspective is, hey, I respect women. I honor the opportunity to have great conversation. I am cognizant of, of the fact that this there are levels to building a relationship then my approach is going to be completely different. Right. I'm going to talk to you and I'm going to be interested in what you have to say. And we're going to talk about work and we're going to, you know, laugh and play and all of that. And we're going to go through the levels. Yes. Which will create a healthy relationship. So now you got to look at in your relationships and in your, even your friendships, even your platonic friendships, you got to look at what is your approach? I mean, not your approach. What is your perspective? Mm Mm-hmm. If your approach is getting you the same thing each time and you don't like that, yeah, you could change your approach. Yeah. But is that sustainable long term if you don't really think that way? Yeah. So that was the big thing for me with 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 uh with relationships and with respect. Because the thing with me with respect, I grew up in a culture, in the in the in the West Indian culture, Caribbean culture. Mm-hmm. The the dude, the guy is the is the <laughs> is the emperor right yes he's going to get respect regardless mm-hmm. he could be a great guy he could be a jerk but he calls the shots so he's respected yeah so i kind of grew up and and i didn't it wasn't even me being a jerk i just grew up with this idea that okay i'm just i'm going to garner respect based on my role mhm Again, your perspective is your approach is aligned to your perspective. So now I get into marriage thinking that that's my perspective. So now I'm like, well, nah, you got to do it this way. Uh Because my perspective is that I just, I'm the guy, so I'm going to get respect. Right. But my approach now is getting like, is creating conflict. So now I'm like, wait a minute. Like, I don't like what I'm getting. Yeah. So now I got to figure out what's my ideology around this. And are there some adjustments that can be made there? Mm-hmm. Which is the beauty of having somebody to observe. Because I also talk about in the book, Dr. Anthony Kelly, who that's one of the people that it's it's uh, dedicated to. He's no longer alive. Dr. Anthony Kelly I was, I got the opportunity to, he was a pastor and I got the opportunity to play for him as a musician for some things that he did for a couple summers. And I lived with him while I was doing that. Wow. So I got to see how Dr. Kelly and his wife, Marva, how they operated as a marital unit. And that was the thing that made me think that I could do marriage because mm. I just hadn't seen it like that before. And my parents are together. So listen, I shout out to my parents. My parents are in their eighties. They're still together. And, wow. and that's fantastic. But there's a component of marriage that I did not see with them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And knowing me and the c- kind of person that I was, I was like, okay, can I be married and still be 
dot, dot, dot. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying still be like a bad person, but just little things like how much joking is involved, how much fun, how much camaraderie, how much yeah. of these other little things. And I got to see Dr. Anthony Kelly live that out. So now fast forward, it still didn't necessarily change who I was when I got married. But when I had that turnaround moment, two years, 18 months into my marriage, a question that I would very in that quest, because I didn't remember, I didn't have the answer, but I was like, I'm gonna figure it out in that quest for figuring it out. And here's why observation is so essential in that quest to figure it out. A question that I would consistently ask myself is, what would Kelly do? Because I had seen it. So I was like, okay, what would Kelly do right now? Oh, he would probably do this. Yeah. And it, and it, wow. it was working. He's your example. It was working. Wow. Now, wow. I didn't have, and I wish, man, I wish he was alive. Because what I did wow. not have the opportunity to do as much as I would have liked is the feedback piece of that with him. Right. Right. Cause he's no longer alive. Mm-hmm. So I dedicated the book to him. Cause I, and I told Marva, Marva's still alive. Mm-hmm. I told her, I was like, man, can you imagine if the pastor was around to see the guy that I was when I lived with him to the guy now who wrote a book <laughs> about manhood like go figure like he would have been like he would have been over the moon for that to see that his example spawned this yeah yeah so how did how did you get to the the feedback step then if 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 he wasn't available did you have other uh, i had to i had to get that in other places yeah okay so some of it i'll be honest because i'm you know people who who run across me, one one thing they'll find out about me is I'm a very honest guy. Some of that feedback did not come from people. For me, for me, some of that feedback came from trial and error. Ah. Uh, so some of that feedback for me came from attempting something and like, oh no, I don't like that result. So let me evaluate. Wait, let me let me backtrack and look at the steps. Oh, right here. This is kind of where that went off. Let's take that step out. Wow. So some of that was just me because what I, what I didn't say was that I, I, I was kind of a loner in my approach to life. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I did have friends. I knew a lot of people, but at the same time, I kind of kept a lot of stuff close to the, to the chest. So some of that was feedback from outside sources some of that was me observing because i learned by observation so some of that was me observing and then going back in private and just toying with it yeah and that was my approach to life in a lot of areas like i i I worked in the it space and i didn't get into the it space because i went to school for it or because i got all these certifications i got into the it space because there's certain things i would observe and literally tinker with them in my basement. So oh, I was a guy. That's how you operate. Yeah. I was a guy who yeah. had computer parts in the basement and I would see something yeah. and be like, oh, you know what? I'm about to go home and try that. Yeah. 
I'm not like that at all. <laughs> you know, and, and, and so let me say this, because let me be yeah. balanced. Mm-hmm. I'm not suggesting that people do that. Yeah. I would say that if you do learn through observation, mm-hmm. a healthy balance would be to use that gift, but still have some individuals that you can be accountable to. Right, right. Because I also talk about that, the accountability piece in the book as well, yes. which is something that I believe is necessary. And in this season of my life, mm-hmm. it's becoming even more necessary. To have somebody that you can be accountable with, that you can bounce ideas off of, that you can get some perspective from. They don't, you don't even have to take what they say to heart in the way of doing it, but you need your, your perspective to be expanded. Yeah. Because if not, you stay in this cycle of, uh, for some people, this cycle of the mismanagement of your thoughts because you don't have anybody infusing some level of perspective to allow you to see things differently or potentially see things differently. That's, that is all very powerful, Marcel. Wow. That's, I'm hoping my male audience, you know, when they listen to this, they start, um, well, first of all, I hope they read your book just like I did. <laughs> and second, I hope, you know, that this story and the and and the stuff that you shared, you know, from your book is is creating some awareness now. Um, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's very important because like I said, I want my my son to grow up a a good man. Here's a question you got to ask cuz we said we talked yes. about a lot, right? Yeah. About a lot and sometimes that can be overwhelming. I'm going to simplify it right now for anybody who's listening, and especially the guys. Here's the question you have to ask. The question you have to ask yourself is, what kind of man do you want to be? That's the question you got to ask, because there are a lot of ideologies, especially in this day and age. There's a lot of stuff being floated around, right? There's the alpha male. There's the beta male. There's the simp. There's the this. There's the that, right? The thing you got to ask yourself is because you don't want to get bombarded with all that stuff because it's going to have you spinning in circles. The question you got to ask yourself is what kind of man do I want to be? How do I want to show up in the world? How do I want to show up in each of these scenarios? Because you need to show up the same as your authentic self in all of these scenarios. When you answer that question. Now, that is the thing you need to start developing. So if the answer to the question is, I want to be a man of integrity. Now your job is to figure out what, how does a man of integrity show up? And those are your action items that you need to work on. If you want to be a great question, yep. If you want to be a great father, that's the question. What kind of man do I want to be? Yeah. Answer that question with, with, with honesty and authenticity, and then take that and create a blueprint. And if you need help, I got you. Nice. Wow. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you a million times over. This has been a great session. I really appreciate it. It's my pleasure. I was looking forward to this. Oh, thank you. (laughs) I was looking forward to this. Thank you again for uh, trusting me with your audience. I, I appreciate that.
gratitude right here.